Hi friends, this is W speaking to you from the future. I wanted to add a brief disclaimer to older episodes. So here is the disclaimer. My spirituality has matured and grown over the course of this podcast, and it will continue to grow and mature. Therefore, there may be some rituals, concepts, or topics that I discuss in these early episodes that I might not personally follow or endorse any longer. If you do want a glimpse at what I personally believe now and what I learned in this first year of podcasting, check out a series of episodes called Reflections that came out at the end of 2022. However, despite my uneasiness about some of my past content, I've decided to still keep all of my old episodes up, because while they may not mesh with my current point of view any longer, from an educational standpoint, I think these topics are still interesting, even if it's just for entertainment or for general knowledge. No matter if they mesh with my own POV now, these are concepts and things that exist. So... I still think from an entertainment and an educational standpoint, they're fun, interesting concepts, as long as we approach them with discernment. Regardless, I hope you do enjoy this episode, and I invite you to listen to my reflection series to see where this path ultimately led me. God bless you. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. I am your host, W. Today's episode, we will be discussing St. Peter the Apostle, and I'm very excited to share this episode with you because we get into a lot of esoteric and mystical topics. We talk about writing petitions in blood. We talk about how Peter can be used to not only unlock the chains that bind you, but also lock up others that are out to get you. We talk about going to the crossroads. We talk about using crossroads dirt. It's a really fun episode, and I'm very excited to hear your feedback and to present this to you. Uh, We will open today's episode with a story on St. Peter as he goes to confront the evil sorcerer Simon. And then after that, we are going to get into how to work with St. Peter, as well as how you can use Peter in your practice. I hope you enjoy. Thank you very, very much. The man was claiming to be a god. It was years after Christ had ascended into heaven, and this man was claiming to be the true Christ, the true God on earth. His name was Simon the Sorcerer. He allegedly had been performing miracles and magic, claiming the powers to all be his own. Some of the Romans began to worship Simon like a god. He was even living in the home of a powerful senator named Marcellus. The early church had become concerned, so Peter himself was the one who set forth to go and confront Simon the Sorcerer. So Peter journeyed through crowded Roman streets to go and speak to Simon, to see what the fuss was all about. After a few hours of travel, Peter arrived at the home of Senator Marcellus, where Simon had been staying. 
Outside the home's large iron gate, a crowd lined the streets in hopes of also seeing the sorcerer, for they too have heard tales of his miracles and his magic. Peter approached the gate, but found out that it was locked. Annoyed, Peter vigorously shook the gate, only to be met by a large black dog on the other side, snarling, growling, and snapping its jaws. That's Simon's dog, someone in the crowd mentioned. It follows him everywhere. Peter then knelt down and got really close to the dog, who was still growling and drooling onto the dirt. Tell your master, Simon, to come out. Tell him that Peter wants to have a word with him. The crowd began to chuckle at the sight of the large, burly Peter, hunched over, asking a dog for help. That is until the dog stopped growling, looked up, and in a clear, concise voice said, Okay, Peter, I will tell him. The crowd was stunned as the talking dog then turned around and entered the home. As time passed, word spread of Peter's arrival and of the talking dog, so the crowd grew even larger. People began to heckle Peter, antagonizing him to prove his abilities. Annoyed, he took a string of dried fish that was hanging from a nearby window. If I bring these fish back to life, will that satisfy you? He then threw the fish into a fountain that was near the gate, and as soon as they hit the water, the fish sprung into life, leaping and swimming in circles. The crowd grew even larger, and the heckles turned into calls for Simon to come outside. But Simon was still nowhere to be seen. Scanning the crowd, Peter saw a mother holding an infant. He approached the pair and asked the little boy, Would you like to help me? Can you squeeze between those bars and ask Simon to come outside? And just like before, the baby in a clear, concise voice said, Yeah, Peter, I can help you. The child then shimmied down onto the ground and despite being just a few months old, walked to the gate, slipped through the bars, and entered the home. Moments later, the doors flung open and out came Senator Marcellus holding the infant. He opened the gates, handed the child to the mother, and turned to Peter. Peter, what is all of this about? But as Marcellus was shouting, Simon also appeared in the gateway. Peter, he shouted, here I am, you have my full attention. But before Peter could reply, a courier came and whispered into the ear of the senator. The senator then announced, everyone, I've just gotten word that there's a funeral for a young man nearby. The mother has asked both Peter and Simon to attend, in hopes that they can raise him from the dead. I think this feat will satisfy all of our questions, and we will then know who can really perform miracles. Let's go now, before nightfall. Marcellus and Simon then led a large crowd through the streets of Rome to see if the dead could be raised. At the funeral, Simon stood over the body. He asked the crowd, if I raise this boy from the dead, Will you believe that I am a god? The crowd cheered, yes, yes. And if I raise this boy, will you take Peter, run him out of Rome, and stone him? The crowd hushed for a moment, but then a few followers of Simon cheered, yes, we will, which then led to more and more joining in. Simon laid his hands over the boy, whose head started to twitch, and muffled moans began to be heard. There, there, you saw him move. 
Now stone Peter, for I have awakened this boy from the dead. As the crowd began to look for Peter to drive him from the city and kill him, Peter shouted, wait, wait, the boy moved, but he has not risen. Peter then approached the child, and with his eyes pointed towards the sky, he whispered silent prayers. Then the boy shot up, leapt from his coffin and ran into the arms of his crying mother. Peter then said, boy, tell everyone here what you witnessed. The little boy said that he was in heaven and then he saw Jesus and the angels who told him to wake up and go straight to his mother. At this point, the crowd cheered and cried and Simon jolted from the funeral, running down the street as fast as he could. In that night, many eyes were turned to the power of Christ. But just a few weeks later, Peter was awoken in the middle of the night by a vision of Jesus. Jesus told Peter to get up and go to the Roman Forum as quickly as possible. As Peter entered the gates of the Forum, he noticed a massive crowd. They were surrounding the bell tower, jeering and booing. And on top was Simon the Sorcerer preaching to the crowd. You all abandoned me. You denied me, he shouted with all of his strength. You now have to atone for your sins. I will ascend into heaven and then strike you down for what you've done to me. Simon then jumped off the bell tower, and as the crowd cried out in shock, Simon levitated. He flew from building to building, spinning and showing off in front of the aghast crowd. Peter, Peter, people shouted as they noticed him. Do something. This man has gone mad. What can you do? Peter then dropped to his knees and began whispering to Jesus, asking Jesus to decide Simon's fate and strike him down if he deemed fit. Peter kept talking to Jesus, to God. His whispers became words, his words became shouts, and his shouts became pleas to God above. A separate crowd formed around Peter as he conjured up God's justice. Peter then shot up from the ground and looked up to the sky, and as soon as he stood, a shriek was heard above, and Simon quickly fell and crashed into the ground with a thud, breaking both of his legs on impact. He tried to rise, but he couldn't. He tried pushing himself up, lifting his head, but all he could see was hundreds of legs charging his way. No, 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 he muttered. And before he could say another word, he disappeared under a wave of angry bodies and sandaled feet. As the crowd grew larger, throwing rocks into Simon's skull, the rock of the church Peter slowly and silently made his way home. Peace be with you and with your spirit. Welcome to another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. I am your host, W. And I'm very excited about today's episode because we are going to be talking about Peter the Apostle. And he is one of my favorite saints to work with. But also, with Peter, we start getting a little more esoteric. Um, in the first episode on St. Benedict, 
we we got a little spooky, we got a little esoteric, we got a little mystical, but when we start getting into how to work with Peter, we're going to get into crossroads dirt, we're going to get into candle magic, we're going to get into petitioning in our own blood, we're going to talk about how to use them to curse others. It starts getting really esoteric and really mystical. So it's going to be a really fun episode because it's very non-traditional, but there's still traditional elements in there. I also really like the story that we opened up with because it really showcases the topic of magic in the eyes of the early church. Now, you might not care about church teachings. Personally, I really don't, but there is a lot of discourse out there about using Christian and Catholic themes within our magical practice. And since that discourse is out there, I think it is timely. And it's interesting because Simon the Sorcerer, also called Simon Magus, the issue was not that he was doing magic. The issue was that he was doing magic and claiming that it came from him. And there's another road we can go down about where the magic came from. Some recitations of the story say it comes from the devil, but that's not the point. Regardless, the issue that Peter and the issue that the early church had was not that he was performing miracles. It was not that he was doing healing work. It was the fact that he did not claim that the power came from God or the Holy Spirit, that it came from him and that he was a God. So you have these figures in the Christian institutions who performed miracles, who did what we would consider magic. Padre Pio could biolocate. St. Joseph of Cupertino, he could fly just like Simon flew. The apostles and various other people have performed healing miracles. So obviously there is something like good magic within the church. So what is the delineation between good and bad magic in the church? And to me, I would say we have enough evidence to say that the difference is that you need to ensure that the power is not coming from something else, that it is not, you're not claiming it comes from you, but that you are saying it comes from God. And you actually have some doctrine to back this up. Again, you probably don't care about doctrine. You may or may not. However, even in traditional doctrine now, you have the authority and the ability to heal people, to bless people, and to cast out demons from people. The caveat though, is that you have to ask God or the Holy Spirit or a saint to do it for you. So you can't say, I command you demon to leave this person, but you can say, God, see how your child is suffering. Can you please deliver him from this demon, from this affliction, whatever it may be. So. When people start talking about, is magic and Christianity and Catholicism compatible? Personally, I don't even like getting into it with people, but to me, I think you do have enough um, proof and enough information out there to say that the big differentiation is not that magic is bad. It's when you claim magic comes from someone other than the divine, or it's coming from a darker source. And the topic of magic within Christian institutions is something I want to, from time to time, touch on in this podcast. It's not going to be the spotlight, but it is interesting because there is a lot of discourse out there today about using Christian and Catholic figures within your magic, within your craft, and are they compatible? And I do think there is enough evidence to say yes under the right circumstances. So that's just something to keep in mind. But of course, you might not care what the institution says. I know a lot of us don't, 
but that is an interesting tidbit. Now let's jump into today's saint, which is Peter the Apostle. So if you're unfamiliar, Peter was a fisherman and he first met Jesus when Jesus asked to use Peter's boat to preach. In that same day, the miracles of the catching endless fish happened, as well as Peter walking on water. So Peter walked on water. For a moment, he lost some of his faith, and then he started sinking, and then he shouted out, Lord, save me. And that Lord, save me line is sometimes called Peter's prayer. Peter is actually a nickname. Uh, Peter was a big, burly guy, a very large man, and Jesus called him Rock. And the word Rock, translated to Ar from Aramaic to Greek, um, results in the name Peter. And there's a lot of name play within the Bible. You hear him called the Rock of the Church, and many of his prayers will begin, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. He's also considered the bouncer of heaven. He is the one who stands at heaven's gates. And he was also considered the leader of the apostles. And this is actually really interesting to me because if we look at the life of Peter, he was temperamental. He argued with Mary Magdalene. He got into a lot of arguments and fights with St. Paul on the direction of the church. He chopped a guard's ear off when they came to arrest Jesus. Um, he even did curses on people in the book of Acts. And of course, he denied Jesus three times. But in spite of all of this, Jesus still chose Peter as the leader. And I think this is really endearing. It's, it's really nice. It's really sweet because it shows that even if you might feel flawed, even if you might not feel worthy, um, you are and you still are worthy in the eyes of the divine to lead a movement. And I also think it was a message. I also think that he was chosen as a leader of the apostles because this movement that Jesus was doing was supposed to be very much authentic, very much human, very much grassroots. So instead of having the, the pious apostle, you know, choose one, James, um, John, we, Jesus chose the, the one that was very human, the one that had human emotions. So I, I just think that's really interesting part of his life because when we get into working with Peter, a lot of people see him as this stern force, like this, this strong presence standing outside the gates of heaven, you know, choosing if you're gonna go in or not. And sure, that could be true for some people, but to me, he has this human element that makes him more understanding, more open, more forgiving, and more willing to work with you even though you might consider yourself flawed. Now, St. Peter is what you could consider a crossroad spirit, a liminal spirit or a gateway spirit. And that's a spirit that can live in between two realms, help you go into a different realm, or assist you in opening or closing gateways, whether that's in the form of spirituality or opportunities. Now, all saints and all spirits and all deities really could fit into that category. They're all liminal, they're all able to live in both places, and most of them are able to assist us on our behalf. But Peter's role as this fierce protector, he has this fiery personality, and he has the lore about holding the keys to heaven, holding the keys to gateways, unlocking and locking. That makes him particularly adept at opening opportunities, unlocking the chains that bind us, or locking down those who harm us. So yes, all saints, all spirits, all deities can play that game, but Peter has a specialty for it. He also has a specialty for unlocking and locking, uh, whether that's opportunities or locking people down on your behalf. 
In hoodoo and in folk magic, you have this concept of crossed conditions, and that is when something is blocking you spiritually, physically, emotionally, and you would call that crossed conditions. And if you look at a lot of the interpretations of Peter, a lot of the depictions, he is holding crossed keys. And it's said that he can use those keys to uncross you. However, in the same vein, he can use those keys to cross others. And a lot of our section on how to work with Peter, we're gonna talk about crossing and uncrossing. But first, we are gonna knock out quickly the patronages and offerings. So you know how to work with Peter, the best way to dress your altar, and things of that nature. So he is the patron of fishermen, of clockmakers, of locksmiths, of stoneworkers, and of gatekeepers. There's also this story where he was imprisoned for preaching and then an angel freed him from prison. And due to that story, he's used a lot in petitioning for legal matters, incarceration, those who have been wrongfully accused. And that's really another instance of let's read the saint's story, let's find things that we might be able to work in. That's not in his official list of patronages, but due to that story, wrongfully accused, incarcerated, that fits uh, St. Peter in, in working with him. Also, since he walked on water, he is the saint you pray to for injuries surrounding feet. I'm assuming it's because he walked on water. That's kind of a unique one. And then iconography, he is often depicted as this large bearded man carrying keys. Uh, sometimes it is two keys, sometimes it is three, and that stands for heaven, hell, and earth. Peter is also interesting because you get into saint allies. So when you're working with one saint, it's often said that sometimes you can throw another saint on the altar if those saints knew each other or worked together. For instance, uh, Francis and Claire, they were teacher and student, so were Bridget and Patrick. St. James and John were brothers. Uh, Teresa and John of the Cross were also student teacher. So traditionally folks will say Peter and Paul will work well together since they were two prominent leaders in the early church. I don't really agree with that. They kind of butted heads a lot. So if I did want someone else on Peter's altar for, you know, because they work together faster, they might get things done quicker for you. I would actually put his brother, St. Andrew, on the altar with him. So I'd put a St. Andrew prayer card or a St. Andrew statue. Also St. James the Just, he's said to have had a great working relationship with him as well. As far as offering goes, and I'm saying offerings, but I'm also saying things you can just put on the altar, things you can use in your spell work. Uh, keys, particularly skeleton keys, water, urac, which is a Middle Eastern liquor, and of course, candles. Uh, traditionally, when working with Peter, you're gonna use a white candle. All right, so now let's get into how to work with St. Peter. Peter is best used to remove any binds, chains, or crosses that are bearing you down. He's good to petition for particularly tricky situations, and he's also called on to lock those up that are harming you. Um, another interesting way to work with Peter that I really like is during divination. Um, a, a big concern for many is when you're doing spell work or divination, you don't want any unwanted spirits um, appearing or manifesting. So one way to do this is working with Peter. Remember, Peter is the gatekeeper to that realm. He can also form gates around you in protection. So when doing any kind of spiritual reading or divination, it's said you can dedicate a white candle to St. Peter and ask him to be a diligent gatekeeper 
uh, to keep out any unwanted spirits or unwanted energy. I think that's important too. It's not always spirits. Let's say you're doing tarot, let's say you're doing healing and you have to be around someone and their energy. Maybe you should ask Peter to keep that negative energy away from you so you don't absorb it. And while all feast days are considered special for saints, uh, there's actually a more magical time to work with St. Peter, and that is July 31st. And that is called the Vigil of St. Peter in Chains. And I believe that's a callback to the day he was arrested and imprisoned and then released by the angel. And that's considered an optimal time to remove anything that binds you. That could be a hex, that could be a curse, that could be a bad habit, the evil eye, or just anything that is obstructing your happiness or your success. And like I said before, he is your go-to saint for crossed conditions. And when people hear that you've been crossed up, people instantly think, oh, you've been hexed, oh, you've been cursed. And sure, that could be a possibility. Um, and that's, But that's another point I wanna get across this podcast is Sometimes energetic blockages, uh, sometimes having cross conditions does not mean it's a demonic force or a dark magic force. Sometimes it's anxiety, sometimes it's unhappiness, sometimes it's residual negativity that's caused by trauma or just being around negative people. These things can also cross you up. Of course, go to your therapist, do what's right for your mental space, but uncrossing work and uncrossing practices can assist not always cure, assist some of this negative energy and energetic and spiritual blockages that you're feeling. So you might be out here looking for full-on demonic possession with your head spinning and, you know, spitting the, the pea soup, when in reality, it could just be like a, a nagging feeling of anxiety that's in the background. That could be cross conditions too, and that can be something that St. Peter can assist with. All right, so now let's get into... How can St. Peter uncross those conditions? How can he remove those blockages? How can he unlock those gates and unlock those chains that bind you? It's actually a very simple uncrossing spell for St. Peter. I like it. It's simple. It's to the point. What you're going to do is you're going to dedicate a white candle or a white candle in the shape of a cross to St. Peter. The cross is supposed to represent any crosses that you're having trouble carrying, but also I find just a white taper candle works fine. You're gonna use the edge of a key and you're gonna carve your name, birthday, and your desires into the wax and then burn it. Um, and of course, pay any offerings to Peter if he comes through or give him offerings while you're doing the ceremony as well. Very simple, but also very therapeutic and, and effective way to work with, with Peter. And again, very simple. Take your white candle, carve your name, birthday, and desires into it, and watch it burn. And of course, as it burns, you can repeat a St. Peter Novena, the St. Peter Prayer. I like just talking. Just talking to the saint as it burns works as well. All right, now let's talk about the flip side. Just like St. Peter can unlock the chains that bind you, he can lock up others that are out to get you, maybe that have harmed you in the past, maybe they are plotting against you, but St. Peter is the person that you can reach out to. And I really like this because it shows his versatility. Yes, he can be someone that assists, someone that 
um, opens gateways to success, someone that removes those blockages. But on the flip side, he can really come help you out a lot um, in protective work and binding work. So this one's a little bit different than the first. What you're gonna do is you're gonna take a plain white piece of paper and you're gonna write your request as clearly and concisely as possible. Then you're gonna draw an X over the paper and over everything you wrote. And that X symbolizes crossed keys. You are crossing someone up. Or if you are artistically inclined, feel free to draw some keys. Now, what you're gonna do from here is at midnight, you are gonna burn the paper with a black candle or a black candle in the shape of a cross dedicated to St. Peter. And of course, as it burns, recite your St. Peter Novena prayer, pray to St. Peter, or just talk to St. Peter about what's going on. Um, now, what to do with the leftover crossed paper, your petition. Um, there's a few ways you can go about it. You can burn it um, separately, scatter it in your yard. I've also heard people taking the ashes and bringing it to the crossroads. Um, and then placing it at the crossroads, maybe with a small offering, maybe pennies, and then turning away without looking back. But personally, when doing something like this, I have done this spell. Uh, I've just burnt the paper and scattered it, and it worked just fine. There are also two kind of philosophies and experiences people have with St. Peter. There are some in the spiritual community that say he is a hot saint. He is a rough saint, meaning you need to pay him what you owe him as soon as it happens or you're gonna be in trouble. Some even say that he will create house fires if you don't pay him his offering right away. However, on the flip side, there is conflicting stories there. Other people say he is a cool saint and he's actually one that you need to smack around with a broom a little bit uh, before working with him to get him to work faster. Now, from my experience, um, all saints are easy to work with. Are they all gentle? Not necessarily. Um, but I don't think a lot of them are vengeful. There's also a very easy way to solve this concern of not paying a saint quickly. And it's very simple, it's very easy, and that is buy the offering first. Buy the offering before you start petitioning them. So if the offering is pound cake, if the offering is a baked bread, if it's a monetary donation, set all of that aside before the petition, that way, if the saint comes through, you have that on hand. I'll even, I'll even take out the monetary donation in cash and put that aside so I know I'm not going to spend it. And then uh, when they come through for me, then I donate to that charity in their name. So just a bit of uh, Peter lore there that some people do say he's a hot saint. Some people say he's a cool saint. Um, but from my experience, most saints live kind of in the middle and always buy your offerings up front. You're not gonna have a problem with any saint, really. So now you're gonna get into crossroads work. Now, a crossroads is a very auspicious place in various religions. Yes, you hear the most about crossroad work in hoodoo and folk magic, but you see this in Greek, Egyptian, and Roman deity practices too. And crossroads are the place where two paths literally, physically cross. So as a result, it represents a place where you can physically go and do certain types of work or leave offerings for crossroad spirits like St. Peter. 
You can use any crossroads as well. Some people are gonna say that you have to use an active crossroads where people are, are still walking a lot because there's better energy. However, it's hard to do some of this kind of work in a public or active place. I'm of the idea of the philosophy that any crossroads will work. I know a lot of people who use crossroads in hiking trails, uh, crossroads in railroad tracks. I even know people that build their own crossroads in their garden or their backyard. Now, in some cultures, just the mere shape of a cross is said to be powerful and magical in of itself. It's kind of like the pentagram, where the corners of the pentagram um, will be a place where you can manifest, create, petition. A lot of cultures say the same thing for a cross. And interestingly enough, those aren't Christian cultures. It's actually a lot of native African um, religions that believe these type of things. So that being said, with that mindset that it's just the shape that is what's mystical, you can definitely just build one in the backyard. So the first crossroads spell is the blood petition. Now this is a controversial way to petition Peter, and that is by poking your finger, and traditionally this is the middle or ring finger on your left hand, and then writing your petition to St. Peter in blood. And then you take that petition to the crossroads, and you leave it there for St. Peter, and you walk away without looking back. Now to me, this seems like you would need a lot of blood and writing would be probably a little bit illegible, but this is a common way to work not only with St. Peter, but a lot of crossroad spirits across various cultures. And the final petition we're gonna talk about is my personal favorite way to work with St. Peter, and that is the candle and dirt petition. And I like this for a lot of reasons. One, it can easily be added onto or subtracted from and you're still gonna get results. Um, it can also be used for just about anything. Traditionally, you're gonna use this for uncrossing work or crossing up others, but you are petitioning a saint. In that petition, you can say anything. You might find a certain aspect of Peter's story that resonates with you on a certain area of your life and you might petition him for that. So it's really versatile. So what you're going to do is you're going to take some dirt from the crossroads and place it in a bowl. Color, color of the bowl doesn't matter. Type of crossroads doesn't matter. But of course, use some that make the Holy Spirit move through you. So then you're going to take a white seven-day candle and dress it with any type of oil that fits your petition. So if you're doing an uncrossing or a road opening, use uncrossing or road opening oil. Or if you are looking to cross someone up or hex them, use a crossing oil or some kind of hex oil. Of course, you can also use any kind of herbs that fit your petition. So protective herbs, uh, opportunity herbs, financial wellness herbs like bay leaf. I always use hyssop, which is a biblical herb when I'm working with biblical characters. So you have your bowl of crossroads dirt and you have your um, blessed and dressed candle. You're going to take the candle and put it in the bowl of crossroads dirt. And now you're going to stick two skeleton keys in the dirt. Um, some people like to just stick them so the ends of them are pointing up. Some people like to cross them if they're doing a crossing work. I find it does not matter as long as they're in the dirt with the candle. Uh, but whatever is aesthetically pleasing to you is fine. 
So now it's time for the actual petition. So, candle, bowl of dirt, two skeleton keys. Now for the petition. What you're gonna do is on a piece of parchment or butcher paper, paper you're gonna write your petition to St. Peter in red pen as the candle burns. So you're gonna write it as the candle burns, and you're gonna fold it up, and you're going to put it in the dirt with the keys and the candle. So now you have your bowl of crossroads dirt, and within that bowl, you have your two skeleton keys, your folded up letter to St. Peter, and of course, your dressed seven-day candle. Now, every night, every day, you can keep the candle burning all day, but you're gonna sit in front of the candle while it burns, and you're going to either pray a novena to St. Peter, or you're just gonna talk from the heart about what you want, um, what is what is crossing you up, what is oppressing you, what is binding you, or whatever your situation is. And you're gonna do that for seven days or whenever the candle is fully burnt. So when the candle is fully burnt, now you're going to burn the letter that you wrote to Peter. You're gonna mix those ashes with the crossroads dirt. And now you're gonna return that dirt to the crossroads with nine pennies as an offering without looking back. So again, <laughs> I'm trying to repeat here because I know this is not a visual platform. So you have your bowl of crossroads dirt, your keys, your petition, your white candle. Simply pray your novena or speak to St. Peter every night until the candle is fully burnt. Burn the petition, mix it with the crossroads dirt, return that dirt to the crossroads where you got it, leave an offering of nine pennies, and then walk away without looking back. Now, from there, the skeleton keys. They can be used as protective wards, either for your person or for your home. Um, they can also be used as a pendulum. Um, they can also just be reused the next time you petition St. Peter. That's what I do. Uh, but the skeleton key is really cool. I'll, um, I have used mine as protective wards, but I, I tend to just reuse mine for every, every time I work with, uh, with Peter. And there's a lot of other work in this folk magic practice for skeleton keys so it just might be something you like having on your altar now that's the spell in its purest form you can add or subtract from here as well but i do recommend that full ritual the crossroads dirt the seven day candle all of it now let's say you don't have access to crossroads dirt and you just um have the keys and, and the white seven day candle that's fine uh you can definitely do the same thing without the crossroads dirt uh, essentially, what you what you have now is a novena. You have a novena session for Peter. Um, just at the end, you have a written petition, which you might still have in, in a regular novena, um, as well as um, some skeleton keys. So it's the same thing. And from there, you can just burn the paper and scatter it or throw the paper away. And you can still use those keys as a ward, as a pendulum, or reuse it. Uh, another variation, let's say you have the crossroads dirt, but you don't have the seven-day candle. Um, you can do this with a few taper candles, a few candlesticks, uh, but it is important that you petition for multiple days. I always say seven is a safe number. Um, if you want to do nine, you can do nine as well. So it's a great um, kind of all-encompassing way to work with Peter, um, but it's great because if you don't have access to all the tools, you can take one away and it just ultimately becomes a, a really fun novena, which is also powerful. So in summary, uh, Peter is often depicted as 
this older white bearded man. He's across pop culture as, you know, the the saint with the halo standing in front of the pearly gates. Very pious, very strict. He is your quintessential gatekeeper. Um, and I think this does a disservice to Peter. I mean, Peter was the most down to earth of the apostles. If he is guarding the gates to heaven, he can probably relate to a lot of our human tendencies because he was very human, he was very authentic, he was very temperamental, he was very emotional. Now, he was not a teddy bear uh, by any means, and he still is not. Uh, I wouldn't consider his energy warm and cuddly. Uh, it's still very protective, it's still very fierce. He's kind of like, like the bouncer at your favorite bar. He's there to make sure you have an Uber home if you drank too much, but he's also there to kind of forcibly remove anyone that's that's hanging out and causing trouble. He is my go-to saint when I want new opportunities in my life to arise for new roads, new paths to open up, or there's a blockage on a path I am currently on. But he's also who I think of when I need a door closed to protect me from someone or something that might be doing me harm or might be out to get me. He's very versatile. He has great energy. It's both caring, but also protective. So I do recommend you sit with him sometime. He is a great saint to have in your arsenal. Light a candle for him, sit with him, see what you feel. And you know, go to him anytime you feel like you need something opened or closed in your life. He's a really good ally as well for when you're doing that divination work or that spell work because he's gonna make sure that those negative entities don't cross over. He's gonna lock the gate for anything negative that might come your way. So let's end with a very quick prayer to St. Peter the Apostle. Thou art the shepherd of the sheep, the prince of the apostles. Unto thee were given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Let us pray. Raise us up, we beseech thee, O Lord, by the apostolic assistance of blessed Peter, thine apostle, so that the weaker we are, the more mightily we may be helped by the power of his intercession, and that being perpetually defended by the same holy apostle, we may neither yield to any inequity nor be overcome by any adversity. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Sources for today's episode include the Encyclopedia of Mystics, Saints, and Sages by Judica Isles, as well as various conversations with practitioners, especially with Lucky Mojo. Thank you very much for another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. I am your host, W, and remember, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Thank you. <laughs>